The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Welcome to Foul Tips, the all-baseball edition of the 1420 Sports Bar Podcast. Listen in as Brent gives his views on the world of baseball, from the big leagues to the minor leagues to Little League. Foul Tips is also home to the Rick Award, and we are part of the Belly Up Network. So sit back, grab a beer, and let's get into it. Foul Tips, the all-baseball edition of the 1420 Sports Bar Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Plate Crate and PlateCrate.com. Use promo code 1420PLATE uh, for 20 bucks off at checkout. Today we are joined by a friend of the show for his second time uh, uh, on Foul Tips. Jake Lindmeyer, assistant coach of the Brookhaven Bears of the Dallas Athletic Conference of the NJCAA. Or the JUCO, as uh, as the uh, baseball dorks call it across the world. Uh, Jake, how you doing, sir? Good. Can't complain. That's good. Uh, I speaking of complaining, I heard you, you like when we were BSing last week about coming on the show. Uh, uh, you were saying that you got in a little bit of trouble complaining to a uh, to uh, an umpire brethren of mine. What did you do now? Honestly, my warning came from yelling at one of my players. Um. Three holes up, runner in scoring position, and he takes a questionable inside fastball that he's actually coming up to play in the Wick Bowl this year, so you'll get to see him a little bit. But sitting, for whatever reason, in a 3-2 count off speed and just takes a fastball, and I yell at him, you need to swing the bat, maybe some expletives, I don't know. That's fine. I've never done it. And the umpire comes out from behind the dish and goes, Coach, that's enough. So my response to him was, I'm not talking to you. Worry about balls and strikes because you're having trouble with that anyways. Well, you, you probably didn't have to go to that route. You probably said, I wasn't talking to you, and that could have been the end of it. But at the end of the day, like, if you're going to turn rabbit ears on, we've had this conversation. If yeah. you know you're having a rough day, turn your rabbit ears off. Like, it, we don't need it, especially when I'm not talking to you. You hear me talking to you. You want to tell me that's enough? By all means. Got it. I'm good. But if I'm talking to one of my players and you want to step into that, don't tell me how to coach because then I am going to tell you how to umpire. No, I, I agree on that one 100%. There's a, there's a time and a place to uh, to let your thoughts be known. And most of the time, it's it's never. Uh, don't draw attention to yourself because attention will be drawn right back at you pretty quick. And for you to, for you to do that, that's actually kind of funny saying I wasn't talking to you. I love it because I, I love that kind of stuff because I don't. Yeah. I don't care what you guys say half the time, let alone uh, listen to what you guys have to say half the time. Because most of the time, it's just, blah, who cares, right? But to, to, to get scolded about uh, giving your own player what for and how to, that's uh, that's completely uncalled for. Yeah. I mean, it. the The thing is, like, you guys have to have control of the game, and I understand that. But th- there is a talking piece. If we're talking to you, don't ignore us. Like, if we're asking a question, don't ignore us. If we're arguing a little bit ignore us and then when it gets too much tell us to shut up and that's what it is that that is the way this game works and the best umpires that we've had let it go stop it end it perfect like cool but when you want to start drawing back that's when you're going to have the issues and lose control of a field that's one thing that's been uh, for some this leads right into what I was going to ask next but that's one thing that we're talking about a lot lately as we're getting into our season I mean it's 
nice out today, but it was cold and snowy here yesterday. But uh, that's one thing we're talking about a lot, not just with players, but with coaches and uh, and younger umpires, is game management. And that's something that seems to be lost at, uh, at all levels right now. And I don't know what the reasoning is behind it. I mean, you can't. You can't teach game management because you have to have a feel for things and you have to have a, an idea what's going to happen next. And you, you can't really anticipate a baseball game because as soon as you anticipate, the ball's going the other way. But you, there there has to be a feel. And I think that that's kind of gone for some reason in the game of baseball. I mean, the, the biggest issue I see is we have all these nitpicking rules, which, again, some of them are needed. Some are eh, like even the umpires don't like them. And I get it. But at the end of the day... Your job is to control the game the way the rule book says, and our job is to coach the way the rule book says. And when umpires start, like the 20-pitch clock in college, is, it's been in for a while. They keep nick- tinkering with it just to, to figure out which way works best. But when you have a pitch clock and you go by the pitch clock, cool. But then when you throw out other rules or decide – that it doesn't work and you're not going to listen to it, well, then what are we doing here? Because, like, we've had games now because apparently hitters can't call an offensive timeout. Like, they can't step out of the box. Well, about 50% of the umpires go by that rule and 50% don't. So our hitters are sitting there and we've just told them, like, act like there's something in your eye because they have to give, they have to grant it if it's a safety issue. It's a safety issue, yeah. So just play it off like there's something in your eye and then reset. But, like, we've had guys say, no, you can't call time, and then our pitcher's on the mound, and the next game they're getting time granted. It's like, well, wait a minute here. What are we actually going by? Yeah, the, we don't have the pitch clock up here to my knowledge. I mean, they, they could have, and I just don't follow the rules, I guess. But, no, it's it's one of those things that I, they, uh, I it would be a bit of a nightmare to uh, to do it. And it's going to be coming no matter what. But Jake, how did we get to the point in baseball where we we needed a pitch clock? Because every coach to to a man that I've ever uh, talked to, umpired, they like their pitchers to work a little bit and they like to go. So how do we get to this point where a pitch clock's required to speed the game up? Because man, it, it's, I mean, I'm I'm getting old, I guess, but it wasn't like that before. But the, where, how do we get to this point where? The game had to be sped up because there are times where batters are out of the box and pitchers are looking around and doing this and doing that. Like it used to be, let's get up, let's get going. See you later. I mean, I really don't think it's gotten to it. I just think they're looking for ways to quote unquote, speed the game up and they're, they're doing too much because realistically, I think the game now might be 10, 15 minutes longer in the grand scheme of things, but I mean, now you have commercial breaks that have to happen. You need to do all that. Like, you don't, they overmanage parts of the game and they undermanage parts of the game. And I think when we overdo it, that's where everything speeds up. Like, I don't mind the mound visit rule. The 20 pitch, 20 second clock, okay. Like, I, I don't think it's needed if we're just rolling. But realistically, I think it starts at the youth level where, kids are sitting there not learning how to pitch. And then all of a sudden there's 15 minutes left in the game, which once they get to high school and college, there's no such thing as a clock. And then they're just trying to waste time. So that's where the slows down. And then those kids that are pitching in the later innings in youth, I never and, thought that, yeah. youth and high school, they're taught to pitch slow. 
Like, take your time. Don't rush. Like, if you walk this guy, it's okay because it's a drop-dead rule and we only have five minutes left. Like I, I never thought that that's, that's sneaky. And then, and then kids are used to that. And then they get into Legion ball and, and everything else. And they get into, into college also. Oh, we got different rules that we're, we're, we haven't adjusted to and, and everything's a rush now all of a sudden. And then that, that's maybe that, that's why, as we were talking off air, maybe that, that's the reason why a lot of uh, pitchers are just throwers and not pitchers because they feel rushed. My thing is like, you get a 14 year old kid that's about to step into high school, never pitched in a seven inning game because at that level, none of them last two hours. Like, you want games to stop lasting two hours? Make kids play seven innings. Because yeah, the-, the only time that, like, when I, like, I mean, I'm old man, get off my porch kind of thing, but the, uh, the only time we didn't finish games was if it got too dark. Yeah. You played, or, or it was a 10 run rule or whatever it was. But if it was a six inning game, you played six. If it was a seven, you played seven. And it, there was none of this time limit stuff. Like, it, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Like, you want faster games. Teach kids that three-hour games aren't fun. Like, it it's really, like, playing into the ninth, tenth, or eighth and ninth inning when you're three hours into a ball game, that's not fun. Like, unless you're winning by 15. But I mean, like that's when, not fun even, yeah. But that's what I mean. Like, when we're sitting here waiting for games to end, it... That's just my two cents on it. No, that's a, no, it's, that's a valid point. All of it, like it's it's it's, it's cra- like the, the the pitch clock's coming to base to uh, Major League Baseball. We'll get to that in a second. Um, and you were saying that in NCAA baseball or JUCO, or whatever you want to call it, that uh, it's it's been there for a while. What's the biggest adjustment that your guys have that they didn't realize or that they didn't? They don't fully understand because, like, I, I'm assuming you guys try to teach the rule when you get new kids coming in. What's the biggest thing that these guys have to learn that time is of the essence? What's the bit like the biggest? What's the biggest challenge that you have teaching these these kids? I mean, it saves the grass in front of the mound because we tell all our guys to catch the ball on the mound. Like, don't come walking halfway down the mound yeah. to catch a baseball. Like, catch it. Don't walk around the mound. Catch it. Go. Like, just and then when you're a hitter, like. Take your swing. If you need to reset, take your quick reset. But, like, we got to go. Like, you're not up there to walk. You're not up there to see pitches. Let, let's let swing the bat. Let's fill up the zone. But you made a bad pitch. You know what it is. Let's go back to it. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Like, the filling up the zone, I, I'll never understand. Yeah, like, we like I, I missed, I think, one last year. But uh, it's one of those things that you just uh, – why pitchers don't want I think another thing is between the ears. They think if they get beat, then then their 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 career might be done. So that's why they don't want to throw fastballs. And then so my fastball's getting hit and it, it seems bad for the the two people in the stands and their and there's their stat lines on whatever point streak, whatever it might be on. That the kids see that a lot and they go, oh, I don't want to get beat with my best stuff. Well and and that's like it's it's a running joke that I've had around for a while, but it if you've never gone 0 for 20 in your career, you haven't played long enough. And if you haven't given up an absolute moonshot, you haven't faced good enough competition. So for me, like, give it up. Like, nobody on base, they're three holes hit, hitting. See how far he can hit it. If he hits one to the moon, cool. And then... But you might we, get him out. But you might get him out. Like, it, it's one of those situations. Stop. Like, unless you're throwing 95... And then even then, like, throw it down the middle and make them hit you. But 
I don't know. Like, 80 to 82 is good enough to get guys out. Yeah, you're going to have to be a little bit better, but be better with three pitches rather than trying to paint corners because we we all know, like, guys are going to miss pitches and umpires are going to blink, and if you miss a corner, you can't be mad at it. Like, throw it over the middle. Just stay off that middle, middle ball. Well, we were laughing off air about the 3-2 Wickbull Wimble, or you want to call it that um... – it drives me nuts. We had it last weekend a little bit here that the 0-2 counts the worst count in, in amateur baseball because the next pitch is going to be a ball because it's going to be a slider in the dirt. Then the next next one's going to be a ball. And then it's going to be a th- the 3-2 count because that's just the way it goes. Then there'll be two foul balls and every at-bat's a 12-pitch 12, 12 at-bat. And so they're just going fastball. See you later. It, it, it drives me nuts. Well, yeah. and that's, that's something that we've challenged our pitchers with after the first couple weekends where we struggled a little bit is – Get every batter out of the box in four pitches or less. I don't care if you hit the guy. I don't care, like, if he hits a tank. Four pitches or less, and let's see how many batters you can face. Yeah, it's been kind of a nice thing for for a while now. We, we, were, we were catching bullpens, or we were watching bullpens at, at PBA there, and uh, having a situation where we were actually talking to pitchers about this kind of stuff, and, and I don't think that happens enough where p- pitchers have enough of a conversation in the off season or away from the game. Cause it, it, like I, like when the game started, I'm not going to be one way or the other on a pitcher or a team. Um, but just trying to help guys and, and get the understanding of, Hey, throw strikes and I'll call it right. Like just, if you get it somewhere around the plate, I'll get, I'll, I'll give it to you. Cause I want to go too. Yeah. I mean, I think the most deadly pitch or two is an inner half fastball. Like a kid's yeah. trying to choke up or trying to put ball in play, trying to be on time to off speed and you bust them in. That's where you can go slider away. But like you go in with a fastball and paint it, he's gonna he's gonna buckle because he's gonna freak out. Like, and they're they're expecting something off speed and everything. Yeah, so throw, throw it hard, man. Like just pin it and call her good. Yeah, that's my my opinion. Uh, right. Pitchers and catchers started today, Jake. Uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, a lot of rule changes are on the, uh, the the very near future. Some are kind of goofy. Some are kind of some I think are, are going to help the game. Some I don't think are going to make a hill of beans a difference. Uh, the one that I don't think is going to do anything, and the way they're explaining it is for player safety and for uh, extra stolen bases, is making the uh, the bases look like extra large pizza boxes. I think that isn't going to do a thing. So I've had this conversation. I actually was out in Arizona at the Cubs spring training complex a couple weeks ago, and I saw them for the first time. And you get on top of them, you go, oh, that thing is ginormous. But so my thing is, if you want to have a, a, like you want it to start becoming something, put a million-dollar bounty on it. Put a million-dollar bounty on the highest base dealer, and some rookie's going to go try and steal 40 to 50 bases. Yeah. But, like, I look at a guy like, um, who was with the Dodgers this last year? He got traded from that Trey Turner, right? That guy can absolutely go. He can fly, yeah. But he's in a contract year. So, for him, where he already knows he's going to make multi-million dollars next year, why are you going to chance a blown knee or a blown finger sliding into a base because you don't need to? Now, a rookie that's making league minimum and wants to make a million dollars, cool, yeah, you know what? Go try and steal 40 bags and help your team and make a roster. But, like, it's one of those situations. They've proven that the game, yes, it's boring, quote-unquote, bomb or strikeout, but runs aren't being scored less. Like, we're just being more efficient with our balls put in play. 
Like it, it really is what it is. And it's just weird to think about like, yeah, guys aren't running. We're not hitting running anymore. Scores haven't changed. Just ways, ways of it have changed. Being more efficient with how you score. And that's where the analytics come in. But now you throw in a guy that can run and steal a little bit. Yeah. It puts a little bit more pressure on. But when you're talking about major league hitters that are making X, Y, Z million of dollars, they don't care. And why should they? Like, yeah, that's the thing. I, I can't remember who I was talking about this, but they they tested all this stuff in the in the minor leagues and in the in the independent leagues and all, all that stuff. And the thing about those leagues is, yes, the players compete, but who wins and loses doesn't matter one bit. They, nope. they it's developmental league, especially in the minor leagues of baseball and a ball, the Pioneer League down here, in Montana, and, and and on and on it goes. They they test these 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 uh, these prototypes and these rules years in advance in leagues that the, the score doesn't matter. They test it on kids that to, that their, their developments being being um, showcased, and so you have a kid because they were they were talking about that it's two point because the bases were bigger and they had this. It was two point four five steals per game uh, compared to two point one two or whatever it was. When you get to the big leagues, because the metrics are so big. Base stealing isn't going to change by two point whatever times a game. It's just not because the metrics and winning is is this, and the metrics and the nerds are saying don't steal bases because if you get thrown out, a guy in first base is still better than a guy who got thrown out a second. It and realistically, like I love the analytics. Like I love looking at the data, but it's built to make the playoffs in 162 games. Mm-hmm. It's not built to win a seven game series or win a one game that matters. Right. So like you go back to like the Rays when they pulled Snell out it early in the game, it's like, Oops. yeah, but there, there's a piece of it where yes, in a seven 162 games, that makes sense. Cause he's got another start. It's the world series and he has three months off. Why not let him go? Because he's dealing and it's that feel thing that has been lost and it's coming back. But at the end of the day, like you want people to run bases, put a bounty on it. You you want guys to hit and run, put a bounty on it. Like you want more movement in the game, guys aren't gonna do it unless there's a dollar sign behind it. So why because why would they? Yeah, it, it it doesn't do anybody any good. If I get like, the, and the days of Ricky Henderson are long gone. Like that's just that's just not a thing anymore. Like he was well, one of the best ever, obviously. But uh, it's yeah, the, it, the metrics make the rules and the way it is. And it's a, that's, that's a very good point about Snell. Uh, and every, everybody complains like that. My I listen to call all kinds of Yankee crap all the time, and they complain about the nerds and they complain about the metrics. Every team uses them, and every team who's successful, the Astros use them, and but they they just tend to not use them like you said in the playoffs and that's why they're so successful i mean they'll still use them but at the end of the day there's baseball field dusty baker has baseball field right feel and that's why they always like don't pay attention to it like it does matter and it does make a difference but at the end of the day like i talk about it with a couple of minor leaguers while they were getting ready to go back to spring training there's guys that want the data and want to learn from it and want to be able to build off it. And then there's guys that want to go out there and see ball hit ball. And it doesn't matter if a guy's throwing 98 with a wipeout slider, he wants to react to it and he can do that. 
But as soon as you start making him think about the data and start making, oh, well, he's throwing a slider in an 0-1 count 65% of the time, it doesn't help him because now he missed the pitch that he has success with. But there's guys that go up there and, cool, I want to know that because then I'm going to make my adjustment and I can build off that and I can have the mental for it. And there's guys that can't. And that's where having baseball feel truly does matter. Yeah, everybody uh, has a different six inch between their ears and what goes on there. There's no, and, and you can't just say, do this, do this, do this. That's not the way baseball or, or any sport works. It just, it, it's not that way. And I think that's one thing that gets lost in the, uh, in the translation with the lower levels and all these clinics and a lot of the hitting and this and that do this. Well, that doesn't work that way. Everybody, everybody's their bodies aren't just built differently, but their, their, their mindsets built differently too. And you have to have some feel for the game and, and have a, I, I wouldn't even say like, so there's some guys who hate baseball are really good at it. So I wouldn't even say a passion for it, but uh, it's, if you don't have that feel, it's hard to advance. Like you can like it and you can love it, but if you don't have that feel for it, you just aren't going to be successful at the game of baseball. Well, and I spoke at the ABCA this year, the American Baseball Coaches Association, and I was on the youth stage, and I talked about catching, and the first thing, my first slide was, let's talk about data. Uh, the second slide was, you can't, you don't have any, you, you don't have access to what they do, like every MLB stadium has nine cameras in it, that they get to go off all the data, they can slow down clips, they can clip stuff together, they can build off different tendencies and other shit, like other stuff like that, that they can go off. Of. You can swear, Jake. It's okay. <laughs> I, but you go on to a 14 year field or even a high school field. You don't have track, man. You're lucky to have rap Soto for inner squads and pitching. Like other than that, you don't have the data to really work off of to design pitches, to do all this, to to create it, see if it works in games. So if you don't have that, you have to figure out how to coach these kids so when they get the data, they can be better and not rely on it. Yeah, it, it's crazy how it's like I, I've been like the all winter long we're around uh batting cages and the whole, the whole bit a lot more than years past. And we're trying to do, do some other things around here. And, and you, you, you look and you go, what are you doing, man? Like, it's just like, that doesn't make any sense. This kid's nine. He barely knows what, what side of the batter's box to stand on. And mm -hmm. you, you're filling it, their heads so full of stuff. It's, it's absolutely bizarre. And there's people that are paying lots of money to get their head filled with just nonsense. Like it's, it's crazy to me. So what's funny is I coached a nine new team a couple years back, right? They were a bunch of just athletes, and we started every practice with 40 throws around the bases. Every single practice. Didn't matter if you played outfield, infield, whatever. But it had to be 40 in a row, and then we would take some ground balls. Our batting practice would be a group in the cage, a group out at, behind second base trying to hit tennis balls over the wall, just having fun with it. Mm -hmm. And then an occasional third group where they're working on base running or maybe off a tee or whatever. But all I'm trying to get them to do is swing with confidence and move. Our pitching was coming set and throwing home. Didn't care about the runners. Two months into it, we had timing picks in with these kids because everybody's trying to just run and run and run. Cool. Thank you. So our kids learned it. But if they don't have the basics of, hey, throw fastball over the middle of the plate, let your defense work. Until you learn how to do that, it doesn't matter what you can throw. It doesn't matter if you think you can hit 
coaches BP. If you can't hit in a game, you can't hit. And like, but at the end of the day, it's, I want you to swing to do damage. If you swing and miss, you swing and miss. Who cares? You get three strikes. Every That's, ground. It's funny you say that because uh, Ron Shuchuk, you know, you know, Ronnie a little bit, yeah. obviously he, uh, he always talks about like before games and after games or more. So when we're having a couple of adult beverages after a game, he says, well, if you don't throw that little white thing over, over the plate, nothing can happen. Nothing. So the rest of it's all bullshit. Like we, we had the rule on our team be, before we got into it. Like every ground ball on the infield had to go to first base. Didn't matter if runners were on, didn't matter if they were moving ball had to go to first base ball, to the outfield had to go to second base and they had something to fall back on where if things got crazy, they knew where they could go with the baseball. And then all of a sudden they're starting to ask the question, well, if there's guys on first and second, can I just go step on third? Sure. Why not? But you always have something to fall back on. And that group, they got absolutely blown out. I think we lost like 23 to two. Blue <laughs> blowout. But we come back and we're playing in a tournament in the same season later in the year. And we play that same team and we beat that team eight to seven in an actual game at nine U in the semifinals. Yeah. And we ended up doing it correctly and it it's building foundation. And I, I have a full thing. I don't see myself ever really going back to youth baseball, but I have a full list of what they need to know from nine, U, 10, U, 11, U, 12, U to be ready for 13 and 14 to go to high school. And like, I'll, I've shown it to a couple youth coaches and they're like, well, that's stupid. I said, no, it's not because they're going to be more prepared. You might not win a damn game. You might not win a single game, but if they can check off all of these boxes by the time they're 13 years old, their high school coach isn't going to have to teach it to them when they get there at 14. Yeah, you, you look like I look back on like what you're just just saying there, and you you improved every year because as you get older, you should improve a little bit. And uh, you, you win, you lose, and it doesn't much matter a whole bunch. You just don't want to get embarrassed out there, and you want to get better because next year someone might move away, you might end up on a different team or whatever it might be, and you just want to get better night in night out. And it's uh, it's funny how some some uh, coaches they think that winning is the most important thing. Yeah, you like winning, but big picture, you you look back. 35 years or whatever it is. You don't remember what games you won or what championship you won or anything really. And, and honestly, like the kids are going to win games, but at the end of the day, if they can go home and tell mom and dad that they had fun today, that's all that matters from nine to 12. At the end of the day, they're going to get sick of losing. The kids are, and they're going to say, okay, enough's enough. We're better than this. Yeah. Like I saw it on a nine, you diamond. There were five kids that were like, screw this. We're better than this. We're going to go win. And then that's when it gets dangerous. That's when you, you, you see a team get a little bit of confidence and then all of a sudden it steamrolls. Yeah, it's no, that, that's a good thing to have. Uh, back to some rule changes, Jake, uh, the, the shift is, is get, has got adjusted quite a bit. And I, it got, it got a little bit nuts there with, we had four guys on the, on the right side of the infield uh, and it just got a bit bananas. And there wasn't even a, anybody on, on the left side of the, even the out, the, the left fielder was playing center field. Why didn't baseball just adjust things with hit? Like I'm not talking baseball, the game I'm talking baseball, the hitters, the coaches, the managers, the front office, the players, why didn't they just adjust it to beat the shift instead of baseball having to jump in this year and quote unquote ban the shift? If you want to put six guys on one side of the field, fine. 
Like at the end of the day, it goes back to it. Run support hasn't changed a whole bunch. It might have gotten slightly better in some years and slightly down in some years. If you want to go make a million dollars, they don't want to see you slap singles. Like Tony Gwynn was the last of that era. Like Jeter and Ichiro, like that's not what guys want anymore because a guy on first base with two outs at the major league level with how good pitching is rarely does anything for you. So to me, like if I see a guy is dead pulled, why can't I go put four guys over there? Why are you telling me how, like I it's similar to the NBA saying like no zones, but like think about it in hockey. You're going to tell a team they can't play zone. They can't play man to man. They can't double team a guy. Why? Like increase scoring, yeah. Wh- why? Why am I not allowed to double team LeBron James anytime he gets the ball? Why? Where, that makes no sense. Like so, at the end of the day, like I get it as far as like they're trying to see runs scored and all this, whatever. But at the end of the day, why are you telling me how I have to play defense? Yeah, I was all for banning the ship, but then I got thinking, like, geez, this kind of changes it, it to a, I, I, and I don't think it's going going to speed games up at all. It's I, I think down. it's going to slow slow games down. So you're going to have more base runners. You're going to have more runs scored. So I think you're going to have longer games because of it. And it's kind of going against what what the uh, the people in the in the towers in New York City are thinking that it's going to speed games up because you'll get more outs. I don't think you will. I don't think you will. You're gonna get. You're no gonna get way. more. You're gonna get more runs scored. Yeah, it, there's no way it speeds the game up because those cheap hits that are gonna fall now were outs. They were routine outs. I don't care if you had a one seven or a seven two put out or a seven three put out. Like it. It does not matter. Like get outs. Where you you said it all summer, and I hated you for it, but I love. <laughs> I'm chasing 27 outs on both sides. I'm chasing 54 outs. Cool. Let's chase 54 outs. If I know he's going to hit the ball over there 90% of the time, let me put a guy over there. I should put a guy over there. Yeah. And it's up to the hitter to hit around that. If, if, if they, if, if, if they're, if that team's metrics don't say he, he's going to do that, then that's up to them. And every team has, you, you play to win the game at like, that was, who was that? Uh, was that not Tony Dungy, but uh, whoever it was back and thought you yeah. play to win the game, the NFL coach, but, and if coaches can't hit around that and they, they can't figure out that that's on that team. And I don't think major league baseball should, should have been quote unquote forced to make that, that rule change to appease uh, fans because there's not enough scoring that's on the teams, man. Like that is that's on the teams. It's uh, in my opinion. I can tell you right now. Had I come back to Brooks this next summer, you would have seen every single outfielder playing at about two hundred and twenty feet. I remember you saying that early in the season, like after about the first two to three weeks, I think it was, and you you started bringing guys in a lot, even even in in, in Lethbridge. Like or Medicine Hat or wherever the games were, you would you would start bringing guys in because if they got beat over their head, it was probably going over the fence anyways. So those, yeah. bloop, those bloop singles went away. So you you started bringing guys in a lot, and I, I remember you doing that. Like I said, I said finally someone gets it. Yeah, like, so, like, someone, like if you're playing at the fence, it's gonna be a base hit anyway. So what if it's yeah. over your head? It's over your head. Like I, it's I don't know. Not triple. It's like at in in Brooks Park, it's not gonna be a triple. Hell, it still might not even be a double if you have speed out there. Like if Drew Mackey's in center field, it's not a double. I'm sorry, it's not. You can you can try and hit a double, but he might throw you out at second base. But 
you're not going to hit that bleeder through and have three or four dump hits. Like, you're just not going to do it. No, I, I agree. The, the one rule I, I, I do kind of like, but I'm, I'm, and I think it's going to slow the game down a little bit more. They might work through the kinks in, in spring spring training is the uh, the throwovers or the disengagements, I guess, is how it's properly worded, is having the guy step off and throwing over to, uh, over to first. And uh, you can do it twice, and then you can't anymore because it's going to be an automatic balk. I think that's going to increase basing a little bit because now a guy can get the bigger lead with the uh with because they they know he isn't coming over to first base so that might increase your base in a little bit uh spring training might be interesting to see what how pitchers uh have adjusted because they've had a full off season to adjust to these rules and get the knowledge in their head what's going on uh what's your thoughts on that so with it being in the minor leagues teams have already worked with it what what you're gonna see happen is guys are gonna pick off and then when they get to that second pickoff where they're not allowed to pick off anymore, they're going to get on the mound as quick as possible and sit there for 10 seconds. They're literally just going to sit there and hold it and hold it and make the batter uncomfortable because he only gets one step out now. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. So what they're going to do is they're going to make the hitter uncomfortable and they're going to make him take his step out. And as soon as he can't step out anymore, they're just going to sit there and hold it. And you're going to see... 12, 13, 14 second holds of just, okay, cool. I'm going to make him completely uncomfortable and then I'm going to throw. Man, I, it, I hate coaches. You guys have thought of everything already to, to, to defeat the purpose of speeding the game up, but it's true. Well, if, if this is the rules we're going to play by, I'm going to make the hitter as most uncomfortable as possible. Yeah, that's because I I I, well, I thought it was going to increase, but and then now they they're, they said they're going to start calling box a lot more too. It was announced yesterday when they, the, the 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 bunt contest they're going to have in, in extra innings. And I hate that rule; it drives me nuts. That butt bunt contest you have guy at second base, but they said they're going to start uh, cracking down on box a lot more. And if if you go by the letter of the rules, there's only eight ways to box, but there's a million ways to box. There, there really is. Because um, if you sneeze, it's actually a, a balk, but doesn't say that in the rule book, right? So um, it's, I think the game, they're trying to go too fast. And I mean, it's been a high, hasn't changed in 146 years or however long it's been around. Uh, but I think they're going about a little bit the wrong way all at once. But I guess you don't really have a choice. I, I don't know. Yeah. As much as, like, I love it, but at the same time, if you want to do it, make it like the bananas, the Savannah bananas. Every inning means one point. Like, every race the four, two-hour drop-dead time limit. No one gets mad. Like, if this is what you're trying to do, go full tilt on it and completely destroy the game. Like, of what you're trying to accomplish with MLB baseball, if you, like, honestly, like, I love watching the Savannah Bananas. Every inning means something. Where, like, it, it's exciting. Like, there, there's obviously the outlandish rules where if a, a fan, fan catches a foul ball, he's out or whatever it is, yeah. Like, but the walks, I think that would be fantastic. As soon as the guy walks, it's a free, like, it's a live ball, and everybody on the field has to touch the ball. Yeah, I've seen, like, there is some things that go, that isn't the worst idea I've ever seen. Like, cool, it's a live ball. Everybody, and you know what? Make it everybody on the infield has to touch the ball. Like, you don't have to make the outfielders run in. 
but make every infielder touch it. And if and if they're throwing throwing it around the around the horn, I guess then if it yeah. ends up, the guy but, can keep running if he wants. Yeah, yeah. It's not the worst and, thing. And that's the thing. Like I've seen some schools and teams use it for like their fall balls, where it keeps everybody engaged because there's guys around that aren't on the field. So if they catch a pop up, it's an out. I mean, I've seen teams do it and use it just to keep the speed of the game going. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like. I don't think there's anything wrong with the game of MLB baseball. I think people are trying to control it to make it better. But all the rules, like it's honestly giving coaches a reason to argue with umpires about, well, you're not enforcing this rule. It's a rule, like, but you're not enforcing it because you don't like it. And it's, it's going to cause more harm than good in the long run. I think I think it's, uh, spring training games are going to be very interesting th- this year uh, because there's gonna be a lot of because you got you got the old old school Buck Showalters and the like. Well, yeah, they're, they're old school baseball guys, but did they do they muscle memory right? And players and coaches are are creatures of habit, and there's no getting around that, and so are umpires. So uh, having the different rules and like, okay, I've been doing this for for 55 years or whatever it's been, like Showalter, and all of a sudden, oh yeah, I can do that. Like, sure, great baseball minds, but. Things change, and I don't think changing baseball is the wisest thing. And I don't know who they're changing it for. Like, they say they're changing it for the younger demographic, and I don't think the younger demographic, I don't think it's a baseball thing. I think it's a sport thing. And I just think, the and I just, that's my opinion. I mean, you go down to the Mexican leagues, you look at the KBO overseas. The younger generation absolutely loves it. It's a spectacle. It's a thing to do. But when you have meaningful playoff games being played at noon on a Tuesday where everybody's at work or in school, yep. Cool, like you're not you're not getting anything out of it. Like the Braves of the 90s created a ton of fan base throughout the southeast and like even into the Midwest because there was no teams around them. So arguably one of the bigger fan bases is playing at noon on a sun, or on a Tuesday afternoon like of course, they're not going to be busy. That's a hundred percent true. Like if you like, you you watch the the World Baseball Classic, and I think it's it's great. And the fan the fan bases are are, are into it. The, the Latin American countries are into it, and they're dancing and playing drums in the stands, and they're having a great time. And I don't think that I don't think that uh, baseball or basically baseball is a baseball problem. I think they have a marketing problem. And I think that's that's the bigger thing is that they don't know how to, it's it's a. Uh, it's turned into a, a rich man's game, like a Yankee Stadium. The first seven rows is 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 the, the legend suite, so kids don't get to sit there anymore, right? And then the games are too late on like on the West Coast. Like it's just the 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 way they market it isn't the same. And you, you like you like I I'm old enough to remember um, this week in baseball uh, when it was on every Saturday morning on NBC, and that and that started the baseball day. And now it's not. It, it's on the Major League Baseball Network, which you can't normally find. Or you may not have on your cable provider. Baseball has a marketing problem, not a baseball problem. Well, think about this, right? If your favorite basketball player is LeBron James or your favorite or hockey player is TJ Oshie or someone, right? You can go on YouTube or go on Twitter and go find whatever you want of that player. If you want to go see Shohei Ohtani or Mike Trout, you have to go to MLB.com 
You have to go to MLB Network. You have to go by the MLB. You can't go find anything of their highlights unless you go to MLB because they hold all the rights to all of their content. Yep. So, so it's one of those things. How are you supposed to promote something if you want all the access to it? Like, you have to pay for the access. Well, I, and, I just got my notification that the uh, the renewal of my app, it's when the season starts, 250 bucks or whatever it is. And so, like, I will like I will use that. Like, I'll get my, my money's worth. But uh, Joe Fan, he won't because he's like, I'm yeah. not paying 250 And then, like, we, in here in Canada, we don't actually even get to, if you have, if you don't have cable, you can't watch the Jays play because the Jays games are televised, so you can't watch it on the MLB app because they're blocked. They're they're blacked out. So that that's like so there there's there's a, a generation now of kids like the guy who I do our normal podcast with. His son is big into baseball, but never gets to watch the Jays. Never. Well, because they, they 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 work on all the different apps and got in streaming and this and that, right? Well, so, I mean, half of America does like the United States doesn't have cable anymore. They all go by Hulu or they Apple TV or yep. however you want to look at it. And so now I have to pay to watch baseball games. And then if it's on local TV, I can't watch it. It's like, okay, well, this is awesome. Now what do I do? Yeah, it's uh, baseball has a, a marketing problem, not a not a baseball problem at all. And that, that's a very good point, Jake. That it's just it's hard, it's and, and you and we're we're just two schmucks sitting in our basements talking about this, and we, and we figured it out. And how the the guys in the great big towers and on Park Avenue haven't figured this out because I I don't understand it. Like it doesn't make well, any sense to me. You're in your basement. I'm I'm in my living room because we don't have basements down here. It's not cold enough for us. Americans are weird. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we'll talk about your your baseball team, the Brookhaven Bears. You didn't get off to the uh, rousing start that you were hoping for this season. Uh, what's been? Um, let's not let's not be negative here. Whatever. We you don't want to kick a bear when he's down, or you shouldn't. Have you seen this commercial about the cocaine bear? Yes. What the hell is that? I haven't taken a deep dive in it because I see it. What What's this about? It's a movie that like. Guys are on a camping trip, and this bear gets into it, and it it looks funny. But um, honestly, I, I actually texted Bryce Davis about this a couple days ago. I said, this group has the feel of just Brooks at its finest. Can't buy a win in the first 10 games, start the year 2-11, and 11, and then all of a sudden in that back half of the year just get hotter than all can get out. And it this group... Like we haven't lost anybody as far as like how how guys feel about what we can do this year, and it's just that weird, eerily similar feeling of all right, it's got to change, it it's it's got to happen. Um, I, yeah, I had that written down because I remember you guys were off to a rough start, and everybody up here up here in Canada was thinking, oh Jesus, here's Brooks again, and we kind of we were like, oh geez, got to go to Brooks, or Brooks is coming in a mess, or what, wherever I was. And you guys turned it around quite well, and I had that written down that this sounds like the the same kind of deal you had you had last summer. And no, I hope that works out because like it's uh, it's funny how that does turn around if you if you if you do stay positive and you keep working on the little things. It, it normally in, in baseball it normally does turn around if you do have some talent. Yeah, I mean i I haven't faltered in what I think this team is capable of. Um, I mean, we're averaging. I mean, I think we're averaging about seven runs a game right now. Um, 
pitching, I, we're really young on the mound, so you get some of those nerves out and had some questionable zones, and it like it happens. And when you got a guy that's struggling a little bit, having that bigger zone definitely will get guys through stuff. And the other piece of it is we're a D3 JUCO, so we don't get to give scholarship. And our first uh, 10 games were against an NCAA D3. We had two with them to finish the 10-game stretch. And then we had uh, eight games with all Division One JUCOs. So they're all guys on scholarship. Guy, I mean, we faced an Oklahoma commit. We faced a couple guys going to Baylor. Like, we, we faced some quality competition. But it goes back to what we said. When you don't throw it over the plate, it, it's really tough to beat teams. When you're giving guys free bases, it's, it's really tough to compete. And, I mean, there's no reason we couldn't be eight and three right now. But, I mean, it's a long season. 54 games is a long season. Oh, we felt that in the uh, the Wimble last year. Uh, you had a guy win the, uh, the Dallas Athletic Conference uh, Offensive uh, Player of the Week a couple weeks back, uh, Tucker Simpson. Tell me a little bit about him. So, Tuck, Tuck's a great guy. Um, one of those just real big country boys, caveman-type swinger. I see fastball. I'm not going to miss it. Um had another great day today. Um, a kid that you're going to see up in uh, the WCBL this year, Peyton Starr. Uh, we played Where's 11. He going? He's going to Brooks. So I'm okay. sending him up there and letting him go to the launching pad. Lefty swinger. He's already got four home runs on the year. If he was, I texted J-Dub today. If he was playing in Brooks this year, he'd probably have seven or eight. So he's a big, powerful kid that has a sweet swing. So um, Tuck's a great kid. He he bust his butt for us and i mean can't say enough about him yeah like you, you I, I had uh, adam kowalski on earlier on this uh earlier on this uh this geez, i don't even know what month it is right now but called, they'll kind of blend together but a few weeks back and i asked him this question asking the same one uh is there a guy that you have that or maybe a couple of guys that you have on maybe on the defensive side of the ball and then the offensive side of the ball that uh that's really put in the work and they've improved since, since they, they came to your program last, uh, I guess, September to what you got now. Is there a couple guys that you can think of that go, those guys are above and beyond what, what we thought they could be. I mean, that Peyton star is actually one of them. He, he's a kid that we got, um, kind of bounced around a little bit. He was a switch hitting first baseman that, I mean, had a, more power from the right side, but he hit, about 350 last year at his school and it just didn't work out for him so he comes in with us and you see like hey he can kind of swing a little bit we got some red flags about how he can't hit velo and then we put in some work this offseason and i mean he's hitting 330 with four pumps and i think four or five doubles against all d1 competition so he's one that's really kind of taken off for us um our shortstop has been incredible for us. He's a true freshman, um, actually had got a concussion um, in the first weekend and kind of battled through it, and he'll be back this weekend. Um, sweet swing. Like he, we laugh about it. He, he plays defensive latinly, but he swings like a white <laughs> He, He – but we've talked, you know like, what's funny? I interrupt you for a second. If, like baseball people who who listen to this, they will understand that the, the term he plays shortstop Latinly. But if somebody was just to tune in at that point, we'd probably end up uh, in uh, Twitter jail or, or podcast jail for being racist. But I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like he he just smooth defensively, and then he gets stiff at the plate. But I mean he's 
he's hit 270 for us so far. He, he's come up big. He's sitting in our nine hole. Been a, been really big for us um, as far as what we can do and kind of take over that leadership role and kind of build around him for even next year. Um, but honestly, we, we got a group here, man, that it, it's the misfits. It's guys that have been told no by other schools or it hasn't worked out or it wasn't the best fit for them. And they came in and they just have a chip on their shoulder. And I, I think we, as we start rolling with our pitching staff, we're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, you see a lot of a lot of kids that age when they 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 know they're good. They didn't. I don't want to say because you you make your own chances a lot of times, but like a lot of times, yeah, there are kids who feel that they didn't get a chance and things just didn't go their way, or they had a bad weekend and they were stroked off the list and see you later. And those kids, uh, a lot of times, they end up being uh, the, the the grit grinders of of, of leagues and their squads and, and go on to some pretty decent things because you get that. If I just keep working a little bit, because I know I'm better than that guy. And, and that's what a lot of uh, these kids that uh, that we taught, and I call them all kids, I mean, they're young adults, I guess, but they're they're kids to me. But when you, you say, just keep going, man, like you're, 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 the attitude's right. And the, the, like in baseball, like you, you don't lose your, your skill, you lose that, uh, you lose the confidence and then the stuff between your ears a lot of the time. I mean, you can go, like you said, over oh, 20 and all of a sudden you can go. 10 for 15. And, and the next thing you know, you, you think you're a baseball player. It's, it's a funny sport. For sure. I mean, it, it's one of those things of just getting guys to believe in themselves. And that, that's one thing that we really preach. Like we can feed you all the information you want and we can help you get better any way we can. But at the end of the day, like you got to go out and do it. We don't get to put the, we don't get to step in the box. We don't get to tow the mound anymore. Like you have to do it. And we're here every step of the way. But at the end of the day, if, if you can't do it or you can't mentally get ready to do it, we can't help you. You uh, you do a lot of work with your your catching. Uh, I don't want to call it an academy, but your catching clinic. And yeah, I, I noticed I didn't know this last summer when we we first met that you uh, you work with the the girls uh, in softball. And I find that pretty amazing that it's. Uh, and I watched some of your videos here and there. I even saw you you put on the gear once this year. I was like, holy man, he's gonna split his groin and get a hernia or something. Was I what I was thinking? But uh, you work with the females out there, and I think it's and the the technique is a lot of the same stuff. Uh, Tell me a little bit, little bit what you got going on there, because I, I think it's fascinating. I think it's great because uh, around, well, it's been forever. Uh, female sports gets left behind a lot, and uh, I have a, a young niece so that she, that plays soccer, and she's at a, at a rather high level. But the amount of work that she has to do extra to get recognized, and because the, the programs aren't as available uh, for females, and it's just what it is around in Canada. Uh, it's not correct, but it's just what it is at this this moment. Tell us a little bit about what you do with the the, uh, the female softball players in your area. So I work with the uh, academy, um, American Freedom Softball, and I coach with the 18U. Na- this summer, I'll be with their 18U national team. Um, I coach with them this past fall, and. Honestly, it has been an absolute blast. It's it's really made me think like maybe maybe I'll just go that full time. Like it, it's a they work their tails off. They they they're, they they want to please their coach so bad, and it drives me nuts because like I want to sit there and argue with you about like what you're trying to do, and I want like I want to get a rise out of you just to see like how much you believe in what you're doing. I don't want you to just do what I tell you. Like the, like my biggest coaching cue with a lot of them is just go athlete, like stop trying to do it mechanically, like go see how well you can do it athletically. And then we can build off that. But, um, 
as far as like working 14 to 18 year old kids, girls versus guys, I would much rather work with girls at that age, just because like you'll, you'll get the cattiness, you'll get the attitude. But I, I told them from day one, I return attitude with attitude. So if you want to give me your best attitude on a bad day, I'll give it right back. And there's been no harm, no foul, but the, the egos aren't there and they're, they're clean slates. And honestly, they are probably some of the hardest workers I've ever gotten to work with. So it, it makes it easy to just, it makes it easy to show up every day because you're getting four or five kids a night that really want to be there. Like I, that, that's one thing I noticed like around here, like we'll go to a hockey reference. And I saw you guys trying to do that to be uh, getting rebounds and things that kind of made me laugh a little bit being an ex goalie here. But uh, I noticed that a lot that those girls, they were, they work really hard and, and they, they, they go for it and they seem to have an appreciation for it. And, um, to piggyback what you're saying, you, you see, you get, you get kids who are 14 years old on the male side, they're taught, do this, do this, do this, do this and beat. And they're, they're so robotic, like uh, as goaltenders. And you're like, there's no style. There's no flair. There's no, um, anything. There's no athleticism, like you said. And it, it tends to do a little bit of damage, a little bit of harm to, to these kids that, that well, I, I'm, I was told to do this, so I, I must be good. And and that's that's kind of what I see with uh, with youth with youth hockey a lot is with with goaltenders is that. And we'll compare it goalies to to back catchers because kind of, it's kind of sort of the same thing. You got to be half nuts to do it. Um, no, and and working with girls like that, and you would get a, a different a different um, feedback, I guess, because they haven't been told from a young age, how great they are in comparison to, because softball is such a, not, not, I don't want to say a niche sport, but it's more yeah. of a niche, niche sport than baseball is. Yeah. And for me, like I laugh all the time because now they're comfortable enough to just give me crap because that's just what they do. Yeah. But I'll sit there and when I first get a girl, like where she's starting to get comfortable with me and I'm just testing her, I'll make her do a drill, like something that we don't like, I don't like at all. Like, I, I'm just going to make it as rough as possible just to see if she's just doing what I tell her or actually trying to get better. And like, I, I argue with guys all the time. Like, I'll put them in weird positions like, OK, do this. And I want you to tell me this feels fun. This feels stupid. Why are we doing this? Like, I want you to be able to do that because that means you're understanding where we're trying to go. And I, I just, I see it more with the girls than I do with the guys where it's like, they're going to do whatever the hell I tell them. And I am very appreciative of that, but I don't want you to be a yes, sir player. I want you to be the best version of yourself. And if it's just because you're doing what I say, we're no one's getting better. I'm not getting better at how I explain things. I'm not getting better at how I coach. I'm not learning the, the sport. You're just trying to do what I tell you. Yeah, like the question, like we have our we have our uh, umpire clinic every couple of weeks here now, and uh, when kids ask why the right way, I like that. But when they go why, it's like because I fucking told you to. But it's like yeah. why why am I doing this? And then I'll explain why we're doing it. So mm -hmm. at, like when they ask the proper questions, I personally I like that a lot. When the when the, they ask the the guys who ask questions just for sake of asking questions drive me a little bit batty. But guys who ask the right questions or girls who ask me the right questions, that, I, that's when, when I kind of go, okay, this person gets it. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. I mean, it's just, it's getting them to understand what we're trying to accomplish. And if, if you're going to sit here and do everything I say for an hour or 30 minutes or however long I have you, 
I can give you a list of drills to do and we can just call it good. You know, like, and that's where I've told parents a couple times where like, I'll send you a video and just stay home and do yeah. it. Yeah. Like, but I, I sat with a couple of parents, like said our lesson that's supposed to be an hour might only be 50 minutes tonight because we got a lot done. Said, if you want me to take her for the extra 10 minutes and do 10 different drills to waste time, let me know. But if you want to actually like get something out of this, if we end five, 10 minutes early, let me, I'll let you know you got your money's worth. It wasn't just me taking your time. Like we work on, like not every kid does the same drills. Not every kid has the same lesson plan. Like we, we go through it individually. And then after we've done it for a while, we're doing maintenance. So you know what? Tonight might be a 50 minute length. I, I'll never cut it short of that. But tonight might be 50 minutes. Tonight might be an hour and 10 because we need to keep going on this. And I don't want to leave what we're doing. But I, I promise you, you're getting your money's worth. I'm not just doing this to do it. Right. Yes, I make a living off this, but I truly enjoy doing this. No, I, I think the what you're doing with with the girls, I think it's fantastic. And I see, I see the pictures on, on the Twitter machine of them getting them, them going to the, the, the next level, and they seem very appreciative of the work you do for them. And I think it's great that they're that they're not getting that it's. Uh, and I, I I knew it, but until I had a niece of that age, the the extra work that they have to do to get to the next level, I think it's great that people like you like yourself are, are going out there and putting yourself out there for these people because uh, it it's it's needed. They're, they're just because they can't play at the professional level doesn't make it any less and getting and you you look at those crowds and the ratings that they get on ESPN for the the women's uh, softball it's it's actually bananas and how the uh, the ratings for those games are through the roof in comparison to the uh, the men's NCAA championship it's it's actually insane what goes on there no I, I think it's great Jake you ready to play some pepper let's do it let's do it favorite beer that's tough. Can I go Alberta Genuine Draft? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> a Wimble coach doesn't make a whole bunch, so I get it. <laughs> it was pretty good. I'll give you that. Yeah. Uh, should baseball coaches slash manager wear something other than a uniform during a baseball game? I wore one today just because I wanted to switch it up. I don't mind it, but I, I don't think we need to be in the full uniform. I mean, the baseball pants work. Like I'm good with that, but I don't think I need to see them in a jersey number. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like it's almost at a point you could not not track pants, but almost get to a point like we could probably get to something else, something a little more. I don't know. It just it's weird to me. Uh, worst ballpark you ever played at? Personally played or coached? Let's do both. So, um, I mean. I loved Moose Jaw, like just stepping foot in there and kind of mm -hmm. feeling free. But as far as like playing surface and everything else, like that was that was up there. Um, I've played on a couple fields where it, um, the fence was a snow fence and uh, it mound had a crater in it about four four or five inches deep and. Um, there's a couple at home that you just kind of go, ah, nah, not the best. Where's the money going to, uh, biggest myth that you have ever told a player about hitting. I mean, biggest myth, the biggest lie you told a guy to say this, it's not that hard. 
What's the biggest myth? That he was good. (laughs) You want to name his name? I can't do that. Let's not do that. Things like if if you think you swing down, you swing down. If you think you swing up, you swing up. Like I'll tell you whatever you need to to hit a double. Like I I really don't care. So we we've said some outlandish things. I can tell you that much. Hit that hit that thing that way. Uh, yeah. What was your favorite song fifteen years ago? Okay, so I was fifteen. So I mean, um, probably some Usher related. Honestly. Usher. Oh yeah, I, I was a big Usher guy. Uh, well, I guess you're from a different part of the world than I am. So yeah, it's just one of those things. Uh, last one. We'll get you out of here. Uh, bigger pet peeve: umpires who don't call box, or umpires who don't call strikes. Strikes. I can live with box. I can live with the guy balking. I can live with the guy messing up on the mound. If you're, if we're gonna have a strike zone, keep it consistently, and I don't care if it's big. We will make our guy swing. For the love of God, just call what strikes, and then we can build off that. If you, you can call, go a little bit bigger. If you can call strikes. If you call more strikes than you call balls, I promise you we won't be here long. I totally agree. Strike, strike, strike. I was actually the uh, MC at the PBA banquet a couple of weeks back, and I, I told them uh, exactly how things are, things actually work. I said, boys, strikes and outs. That's why we're here. Strikes and mm-hmm. outs. And they kind of looked at me all funny. I said, no, I'm I'm serious. And uh, Todd Hub, because like, no, he's serious. It's the way it is. Strikes and outs, man. We have to get gets us gets us to the uh, the lounge quicker to have an Alberta genuine draft or whatever you whatever you're inhaling there. Jake, uh, thanks very much for coming. What do you got going on? What's uh, happening with catching with cheese in your world for the next uh, upcoming months? So uh, we actually head out to Galveston tomorrow. Um, we got two games down there, but I'm. We're rolling fast right now. We're playing three to four games a week, and conference starts next weekend. Um, and then I got 10 to 15 lessons a week. We're just we're rolling here. That's we're busy. It's, it's too bad you're not coming back up to Brooks this year, uh, just the way things kind of work out in the, in, the, in the baseball world. But because I was looking forward to maybe having a, a maybe a, an ejection or two with you and have, have, having a few laughs afterwards over a genuine draft or something would have been a fun thing. But maybe maybe I'll make my way down to Texas or something get and find my way onto a field with you. I was thrown out one time and I was correct. And that's the reason I was thrown out because I deserved to be thrown out because I didn't let it go. And I'll leave it at that. I mean, Tyler was there. So the next time you talk to him, we, we can get into that. I mean, we can have him on. Maybe we can have on the umpire that decided to throw me out and we, we can go from there. But I mean, hash things out on the air a little bit. Hey, it, as long as you guys keep calling strikes the way the rule book calls it and, you won't hear anything out of me. You might hear a question. But that, the- that page of the rule book was ripped out for me long ago, man. I, I stenciled in my own, my own strike zone on that thing. I, I looked at it for me. I mean, the last time I checked, the, the belly button was still a strike. So if, if we're going to call that pitch a ball, you're not going by what we should. And you, you guys want to get out of here better than anybody. So More than anybody, man. More than anybody. Thanks a lot, Jake. Uh, last one. Do smart people bunt? I can't claim myself as smart, but we do it every once in a while. There's nothing wrong with bunting. Anyways, Jake, thanks for coming on the show. We'll talk to you again very soon. Have a good day. Awesome.